We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. Cheers to all of you. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo your weekday daily driver for Buffalo Sports Talk and more. Today's episode is presented by The Serial Spot on Elwood Avenue in Buffalo. My name is Patrick Moran. Thank you very much, as always, for locking in, whether you're listening to us on the audio side, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast from, or whether you're checking us out on the video side on YouTube, which, by the way, if you are, please go on and make sure that you like, subscribe, comment, all that fun stuff. It really, truly helps us continue to grow this on the video side. Uh, today is Friday. We're doing a Fan Friday episode. This is the episode where you guys watching and listening send in some of your questions, your comments. I open up this form. I don't want to say every week because we haven't been doing this every week, but most weeks. And I'm going to read some of them off, give you some of my opinions on them, some of my own personal takes as well. Uh, I love this episode. It's one of my favorites to do because it's interactive with the people who actually spend the time to, to watch or listen to this podcast. And again, I appreciate y'all uh, very much. Just a couple quick notes, and then we're going to dive in. And I know I say this shit all the time, and it always sounds like a, a freaking broken record. I want to make this a relatively short episode. I say that, and then I end up going 50 to 58 minutes all the time. It sounds like a broken record and I suck at that, but I'm really going to focus on being a little bit more short, concise, and to the point with uh, my answers. A couple programming notes that I want to jump into today's episode. So Talking Buffalo is a Monday through Friday, typically a podcast. I say your weekday daily driver. That's part of the whole spiel there. Didn't get a chance to do an episode on Wednesday. Something came up on Tuesday night. Wasn't able to record. However, Still want to drop five episodes this week. So what I'm going to do for this week is actually drop, we'll call it, I guess, a bonus episode tomorrow, Saturday. And I got a specific topic here. I put it up on the videos already, if you saw the photo of him. Micah Hyde. So Buffalo Bills safety Micah Hyde, who's been one of the core players since he joined the Buffalo Bills in 2017. He hasn't formally announced that he's going to retire we still don't know that. As I record this, we don't know if Micah Hyde's uh, retiring or not. What we do know 
is that at 33 years old and coming back from some neck issues, his future is certainly uncertain. And even if he doesn't retire, his contract is up with the Buffalo Bills and he's going to be a free agent. There is a good chance, probably even a great chance, now that Micah Hyde has seen his last game as a Buffalo Bill. Anyway, I put on social media earlier this week that I thought it would be, uh, I thought it was an interesting topic. If this is the end for Micah Hyde as a Buffalo Bill. And by the way, shout out to his wife, Amanda. She put out a statement, which kind of leads to you thinking that it might be the end of his career, or at least the end of his career as a Buffalo Bill. And personally, for what it's worth, I feel it's the former. But anyway, just a well-crafted statement. Much love to, to Micah and to his family. They've been such an asset to Buffalo, which got me thinking. I put on Twitter, uh, middle of the week, I think Micah Hyde deserves serious consideration for someday going on the Buffalo Bills Wall of Fame. So what I'm going to do with the Saturday bonus episode is I'm going to dedicate that entire episode to discussing Micah Hyde, his career as a Buffalo Bill, and I'm going to both, uh, I'm going to paint a picture where if you want to make the case that he should be on the Bills Wall of Fame someday, that he that he will, or I'll also paint a case that he's not worthy or deserving of being on the Bills Wall of Fame. I think that'll be a fun uh, conversation to have because I think that could go one or two ways. So I'm very interested in hearing your reactions to that. So that will be on uh, tomorrow's episode. Then at the beginning of the next week, and this one, I'm telling you now, folks, I promise you, this is going to be straight fire. Uh, next Monday night, so the video will probably be up late Monday night because our videos tend to go up late at night and then the podcast audio version drops um, overnight into the next morning. But anyway, next Monday night here, live with me in studio, not even just remotely. He's going to be with me right here in my home studio. Tyler Dunn, creator of Golong. Uh, com is going to join me and I really don't need to, if you're a Bills fan, man, I don't need to tell you much about Tyler Dunn and his articles on Sean McDermott twice now, uh, the three-part series after the Bills lost earlier this season in Philly to fall to six and six, um, after their loss to Kansas city this past week, he also had a column, um, Public enemy number one, I know that for a lot of diehard Buffalo Bills fans. There are a lot of people out there, and let's just be honest here, man. There are a lot of Bills fans out there who think that Tyler Dunn wrote a hit piece on Sean McDermott. There's a lot of fans out there who think that Tyler Dunn has an axe to grind personally with the Buffalo Bills, more specifically, Sean McDermott, and we are going to talk about it. So I'm going to tell you right now. Full disclosure here, and if you know me, you know the show, you follow me on social media, you already know this. Tyler's my guy, man. I'm good friends with Tyler Dunn. I've known him since 2006 when we worked on the same blog together. I know Tyler is a person. I know he is a, a great human being. I know that Tyler Dunn is one of the most talented and respected, maybe not so much here in the Buffalo market these days with some Bills fans, but Tyler is one of the most respected sports journalist in the entire nation. It is going to be a lot of fun. And I, I disclose that to you because I'm just telling you straight up, I'm not throwing Tyler softball questions. This isn't going to be him sitting there 
and making point after point and me saying, oh, I completely agree. I completely agree. Fanboy, fanboy. No, that's not going to be what it is, man. This is going to be a legitimate conversation. And I'm going to ask Tyler some, some pretty tough questions, some questions that I know that fans want answered. So I'm really looking forward to that because I know Tyler's a very honest guy and I respect him. He respects me. He knows that I'm not going after him personally. He knows that there's questions that people want answered. And uh, I'm certainly going to ask those questions. I am not going to sit there and, and just hand him a, a bunch of softballs. I promise you that much. So that's going to be next week. Like I said, late Monday night on the video side and Tuesday podcast version, audio podcast version. Can't wait for that. Uh, and then one more quick thing here. So this is a Fan Friday episode. Just want to let you know, not a big deal, but I'm going to be doing this every week. However, I don't know that we're going to be doing it every Friday. I might be moving this to Wednesdays. I really enjoy doing this episode because it's much more casual. And like I said, it, it's interactive. Like the fans of this show are driving the questions and driving uh, the topics. Might have a little bit of a rebranding. Like it obviously can't be called Fan Friday and shit if it's going to be dropped on Wednesdays. So we'll figure that out. But regardless, uh, the concept is going to be the same. And on that note, let's actually dive into some of these. And like I said, I'm going to make a concerted effort to, to kind of scale back on uh, the longevity of some of my answers anyway. But there's a decent amount. So it's going to take some time to get through these. Some of them longer comments or questions than others. Shauna says, Sucks that the Bills lost and the season is over, but you're sitting there. And by the way, when she says you're sitting there, she's referring to me personally. I could tell you're sitting there and continuing to point out things that don't matter anymore. Season is over. Forget about it. Move on and look forward to next season. Um, what? I mean, this look, listen, and all due respect, Shauna, and I appreciate you setting a comment and don't get me wrong. This is a daily, every weekday podcast. And of course, during the season, we are focused primarily on the Buffalo Bills. I know this is talking Buffalo. And I can promise you, by the way, now that the season's over, we'll start to have a lot more Sabres coverage, little bandits coverage. I'll have news media people on, sports media people on. We'll have more lighthearted, fun conversations, uh, pop culture stuff. So there'll be a lot of stuff going on. It won't just be Bills now that the season's over. but. The season just ended, and every day from training camp through to the end of the season, whenever that may be, in this case, it came last week, I spend hours every week talking about the Bills, whether it's solo, whether it's with the guests. I spend hours writing show notes, putting photos together, post-production, editing, all kinds of shit, man. So you think the season ends in heartbreaking fashion with a field goal loss and a team they can't get over? You think I'm just going to? sit there and just move on that quickly? No, that's not what we're doing. Not what we're doing here. I spent the last couple of days pointing out quite literally yesterday on the show, I had Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumleys. Guess what the title was? What went wrong for the Bills? Because when you lose and you're at home and you're three-point favorite, there's things to talk about. So I'm not just going to, it does suck. And I, look, I am. If you have the ability, Shauna, or anybody out there who agrees with, I don't even know. I'm assuming this this is a female. It could be a guy. I don't know. But the name Shauna. 
if you had the ability to brush off the loss, be a little pissed off about it, wake up the next day and say, all right, man, season's over. I'm the next one. We're on the 2024. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. But this is a content, you know, this is, I'm a content creator. This is what I do. We're going to talk about the team ad nauseum. This isn't going to be the last time we talk about the Bills losing to Kansas City last week. I can tell you that right now. So, I don't know. I, I respect your ability to not, I don't want to say not care, but just to move forward so quickly. But on this show, we will continue, at least at times, not as much anymore because we're going into a new week next week. But we're going to continue to to discuss and dissect some of the things that were wrong from the Bills and what we think need to happen for them to get over this up that they can't seem to get over. Um, the one KD Rover three with all the injuries on defense, there should have been one DB that was dedicated to running with Kelsey the entire night. Rasul Douglas, Teron Johnson, etc. He can't play zone with AJ Klein and just hope someone is going to be covering him. It was a joke how wide open he was throughout the game. All right. Well, you could take Russell Douglas off that list because that dude could not run. I mean, he might have been the one person on the football field who might have been just as slow as AJ Klein. Um, yeah, look, this is a, I guess it depends on what you're trying to to really ask with this question or or comment, I should say. One thing I think everyone agrees on is AJ Klein being out there was incredibly detrimental for the Buffalo Bills. I think where the argument comes was was there a better alternative? A lot of people will say, in theory, Dorian Williams might sound like the better alternative, but in reality, he really wasn't. This is a point that I have argued with several people throughout the week on, especially on Twitter, and not just fans, by the way, content creators. You know, I'm a big fan of the dudes from Cover One, man. Big, big fan. Don't mean we got to agree on a lot of shit, and sometimes we don't, and this was one of them. I think it was a big mistake for Doran Williams to not be out there sooner. And uh, I get it to an extent. He's a rookie, okay? And he's been in Sean McDermott's doghouse for a lot of the season. He's made plenty of mistakes and he's gotten benched for it. He's had a short leash. And there's a reason why he has a short leash because he's made a lot of mistakes during limited opportunities. I get all that. I promise you. I definitely do. And I don't even have a problem with AJ Klein starting. Which, by the way, Valen Speck, we talk about Terrell Bernard being hurt, how big of a blow that was. I think Bernard Specter might have been a little bit of a blow as well, because at least he's a little more athletic than AJ Klein. But because he was out, AJ Klein was that next man up. And, uh, or um, Specter plays and Dotson can move to the other spot, which he was banged up. The Bills were just screwed at linebacker, no matter what way you look at it. And it sucks, but that was the reality. But anyway, I get why you would start A.J. Klein. He's a crafty veteran. He's smart. He can call a defense. He sees what's going on out there. But seeing what's going on out there and physically being able to do something about it are two different things. And it was painfully obvious by the first, second drive with the latest that this dude shouldn't be out there. Could not cover anybody, especially Travis Kelsey. Could not get to run gaps. You watched the film back. He was just slow. He looked hunched over at times like, the conditioning wasn't there, which again, 10 days ago, he wasn't really playing football. So I get all that. At some point to me, the Bills should have went in early, should have went with Dorian Williams because Dorian Williams may fuck up out there. He may make a big mistake. He may blow an assignment that leads to a big Kansas City play, but he might make a play. He has the, the athleticism and the physical gifts to make a play. In fact, I think the Bills forced the Chiefs to punt once 
and that was in the fourth quarter. And that was on a third down where um, Dorian Williams had a big part of stopping Patrick Mahomes. So anyway, my point was he may fuck up, but he might make a play. AJ Klein wanted to make no damn play. And that was obvious. So in terms of AJ Klein being out there, that's how I feel about that. You're saying there should have been one DB on him the whole entire game. Maybe, I guess, sure, it's easy to say that in hindsight, but I don't know if you're suggesting that the Bills should have had an extra DB on the field instead of Klein, because that I would disagree with. You can't play a dying defense the whole game. You know, there's a chance it didn't happen, but there's a chance Mahomes might get a ball down, batted down. If he's throwing the ball, maybe somebody bats a ball. Maybe it goes through a receiver's hand and you get an interception. There's lots of things on the negative side of a passing game that could happen. But if you got six DBs out there every play, what's going to happen 100% is Isaiah Pacheco is probably going to run for 175 yards. And that's what the Bills didn't want. So if you mean an extra DB on the field, then no. If you mean Teron Johnson might have should have been matched up on him the whole entire game, I guess, but then who's AJ? If he's watching someone, then who's AJ? Somebody's got to watch the guy that Teron Johnson leaves to go watch um, Travis Kelsey. I did see late in games in certain situations. I caught a couple times. I saw Saran Neal actually on um, Kelsey, and he looked like they have good coverage. But short of playing a dive defense, I just don't think you could have a dedicated defensive back on Travis Kelsey for the entire game when they got one running back and three receivers out there. Because if that's the case, now you're telling Jordan Poyer or Micah Hyde, well, it would be Jordan Poyer in this case, in a normal nickel defense, that he's got to watch a slot receiver the whole game. So I don't think it works that way. Um, Buffalo Robbie. I didn't really enjoy this season like I have the previous five years of the Allen era. Everything was like pulling teeth. Even when they won, it was so stressful. The offense was so frustrating. It never felt like they were hitting their potential. Then when the offense did their job, the defense fell apart. After they went on their run, I thought they were a team of destiny. I was sure they were going to win the AFC. I thought there wasn't much of a chance that KC would beat them, but they did. So Billsy. Um, yeah, look, I, I've said this on the show this week. I talked about it a couple times, actually, this week. This was probably, for me, the least enjoyable season of, of uh, following the Bills of the Josh Allen era. Certainly the, the least enjoyable I've had podcasting anyway. And this is going in the year six of this podcast here, actually just in a couple of weeks. But that's my own doing. That's my own fault. I don't blame the Bills. I blame myself because I had so much angst and anxiety, worry and nervousness about this team because in my mind, I'm like, this is, and this is what I'm telling you in my mind at the time, I thinking, and not right saying, I'm just saying this is my, my, my honest thought process. This is the year. They got to get over the hump this year. Burrow's down. So since he's out, lots of injuries around the league. Cleveland, Jets with Aaron Rodgers, lots of lots of injuries. And you win your division and you have a home game. You're the two seed. You got to You got This is the year to get over the hump. The Chiefs have sucked on offense for a lot of the season. You get them at home. You beat them at home. And then you take your chances against Baltimore. I really like the Bills to get to the Super Bowl this year. I thought this was the year. And... I didn't enjoy the process. You know, we hear, we've been hearing that in Buffalo for years. Trust the process. I didn't enjoy the process this year. That's my own doing because I wanted it so bad, so bad that it was almost like a, an impractical sense of, of want. Like, I didn't enjoy the games. I didn't enjoy the, the, the buildup going into games. 
um, I, you know, watching them with family or friends, actually, not, that's not the case. Cause I watch them with my wife and my son and I refuse superstition. I refuse to, to go out to a bar and watch it with a bunch of strangers, a bunch of Bills fans. I refuse to, to go watch it with a bunch of friends or to the big family gatherings. Um, I just didn't have fun with this season because I wanted it so bad for so many reasons. I want that Super Bowl like all you do too. Just certain people, different levels. Thinking about my dad and how they never won a Super Bowl. And this is the year. They're going to do it. And it just, it really stopped me from just sitting back and saying, you know what? This is a good team. This is a fun ride. Let's just enjoy it a little bit. I didn't. And that's my own doing. Just way too much stress. But the on-field product, to be honest with you, to, to your point a little bit, Buffalo Robbie, just wasn't a fun year to watch this team. Not compared to the, the last couple of years. You know, over the last couple of years, there were a handful of games, good teams. Most, actually not a handful, a lot of them were. The Bills just looked fun. They stomped somebody, and it was fun. Like, when they opened up the season a couple of years ago against the Rams and crushed them, or they go in Dallas and, and they beat Dallas, or uh, Chicago, remember game against Frisco, Denver, they would just go on the road, and it was almost like the 90s Chicago Bulls, in a way, just fun and entertaining to watch, and they were going to smack the shit out of you. This year was just a grind. Everything was a grind. I mean, everything. What they play like two or three good games all year where they just smack teams? The Raiders, Washington, at least in the second half. The Miami game, we fought highlight of the season. Maybe the rematch against the Jets. The rest of these games were grinders. Frustrating losses that really weighed on you. Losing to the Patriots, the way they lost to Denver. Even games they won. You know, they, they should have lost to the Giants. They could have easily lost to Tampa. Just wasn't a lot of fun this year. So, I mean, they... they I guess at the end of the day, it's about the result, but just even that is like, I don't know. I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I really do. It was a, it was a grind, I think for a lot of fans. And for me personally, I just let my anxiety and my, my, my want for them to, to get to the Super Bowl. I, I really think that I, uh, I let it get to me to the point that I just didn't enjoy it enough. Today's talk in Buffalo is presented by the cereal spot. At the cereal spot, they are much more than just a cereal bar. They're a dessert hotspot to cure that sweet tooth we all have with ice cream tacos, specialty milkshakes, cereal bars, cereal-infused cupcakes, cereal ice cream sundaes, and much more. You got to be kidding me with all that. And if cereal is what you crave, how about a nice bowl with milk or ice cream? You pick. And any toppings you want. Oh, and topped off with fruit, chocolate sauce, or candy. The whole family is sure to love an outing at the cereal spot located at 947 Elmwood Avenue and currently open Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. Visit thecerealspot.net for more info. Want to continue here? LCS Light Construction 467. Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, won one Super Bowl and the Packers were 10 and 6, a wild card that year. There were many factors involved. There are many factors involved to win the Super Bowl. As long as Allen is playing, the Bills have a chance to win one. Absolutely right. You know, I've made a case, and I'm not going to beat a dead horse here how I thought this was the last great golden opportunity for the Bills to get it done this year because of the salary cap and all the restrictions and obstacles and challenges that Brandon Bean might have to come over the next year or two financially. But yeah, absolutely. And that's probably the way it's going to happen. Like if the Bills win a Super Bowl, Probably not going to be when they go 14 and three and they're one seed, smack two teams, get to the Super Bowl and win. It's probably going to be a year like this where they really got to grind wild card team, maybe the six seed, something like that. 
win a couple road games, ugly fashion, and then AFC Championship, they go on the road and just put it together, smack the shit out of somebody, and go on to win a Super Bowl. Obviously, nobody really gives a shit how they get it done as long as they do. But yeah, that's a very fair point, man. Aaron Rodgers only won one, and he did it when the Packers were uh, just a wild card team. This one's a little bit lengthy, but I want to read it anyway because I think it's worth the read here, and I got a, a reaction to it. Frank Liani, 6718, says, I actually felt better about this in 13 seconds. I've never made a YouTube video, but I'd be glad to, I'd be more than glad to explain why. 13 seconds made this team closer than when it really was. Dable's terrible fun ball passing philosophy was propped up by Allen's brilliance. We had no stable guard play on either side of the line. And hold on, I want to, some of this, he, he messed up a couple sentences. So I want to make sure I read this right. He says, We had no stable guard play on either side of the line. And Dable insisted on making Allen RB1 and quarterback one. Kind of the same thing right now, dude. Anyway, the staff was duped into thinking Davis was a future wide receiver one or two when he was simply the beneficiary of being an afterthought. Dorsey soon realized Davis was not a real wide receiver two and tried to install 12 personnel to make up for it. But we were stuck with replacement level guard play, a predictable playbook, all 11 personnel, but not enough quality receivers or tight ends to execute it. Diggs kept whining and pouting to get the ball and ruin the offensive chemistry before Dorsey could even blink. The offense started to click. But then the London trio screwed over the defense. There was a lot of turmoil until Brady took over. He made a run-pass balance offense that was almost impossible to stop, even without a wide receiver, too, thanks to the emergence of Cook and Kincaid. On defense, McDermott coached his ass off, and the young players stepped up. Spike phase in a preseason defense, Mahomes barely outscored Allen, who had to face the best defense in the NFL. If you watch all the exit interviews, his team knows it, eff it was effed over. Mother Nature even sided with the Chiefs and blessed them with the day of rest, an extra day of rest because the game had to be moved for safety reasons. He's talking about the Pittsburgh game that gave the Bills ultimately one day less of rest. Um, it was a great season. I was at that Eagles game where the season turned around. Chin up. Allen is without a doubt the best quarterback in the NFL. Mahomes just has the best team. The other two elite quarterbacks in the NFL, Lamar and Burrow, would be just as dominant as Mahomes if they were on Kansas City. Mahomes was just in the right place at the right time. It was invigorating to see how this team rallied around Brady and McDermott. Um, what? First, I, I'm when I say what, I'm talking about Pam Mahomes. What? Right place, right time, just has the best team. What are you talking about, bro? What? <laughs> Dude, he's got a 34-year-old tight end in Travis Kelsey. Who else has he got in receivers? Who's his receivers? A rookie, Rashid Rice. MBS, who drops the... I only made a great catch against the Bills. But he drops passes all the time. Kadarius Tony, mistake prone, didn't even play in this game. Watson, plus they got uh, his receivers. Like, what, what are you talking about, man? Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes may end up being the best quarterback in the history of the NFL when it's all said and done. So you have a lot of great points, man, but you kind of wash it all away when you're just dissing Patrick Mahomes. Right place, right time. He makes the Chiefs the Chiefs. All right, let's. To, to say anything else, that's just crazy shit. That's crazy talk to me. One thing I, I agree with you with is, is in terms of the offense being really not impossible, but hard to stop because of the emergence in Cook and Kincaid. I thought that was a, uh, I, th I think that's a really good point. Uh, some of your stuff about earlier in the season with making Allen RB1 and QB1 when Dable was still here 
Well, that's what we saw at the end of this season, too. So that hasn't changed at all. I agree with you about the Gabe Davis stuff. I don't know. It's just really interesting to me that you uh, you have these takes, pretty hot, obviously hot takes, but you uh, throw some disses the way of Pat Mahomes. And I just, I don't know, man. I think that's just crazy. Um, anyway, all right, let's move on here. Mez Vids. This is in, um, this is about the Miami Dolphins. And this is a good one. There are many reasons the Bills are a superior team to the Dolphins. And I think Josh Allen is the least of which. Hear me out. The most consequential difference is cohesiveness. The Buffalo Bills have a clear and concise hierarchy that has assembled specific people for specific roles. Call it culture or whatever you want. I call it hierarchy of competence that was created by Sean McDermott and extends throughout the organization, including the GM and middle management. Miami in contrast is a hodgepodge of players and coaches from multiple regimes that have been haphazardly thrown together. There's no clear hierarchy. Most of these players and assistants were already there before McDaniels was hired. The next most important thing that separates the Bills from the Dolphins is balance. Bills can play multiple styles of games. They are capable of doing the finesse high scoring style and they can get dirty physical and punch opponents in the mouth. The Dolphins are one dimensional. They play fast, soft, pretty. And if the game script doesn't go their way, they're in trouble. Great takes. And that is not me being a Bills homer and a Dolphins hater. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the Miami Dolphins are a very skilled team, but that team lacks something. I think it's leadership. I think. I know they lack something, though. They do play soft. They are a finesse team. They cannot adapt. We saw that at Arrowhead. We saw that when they played good teams. They beat the Cowboys by two points this year, lost to literally any other good team they played. They, they got a lot of flaws, a lot of talent, but a lot of flaws. I don't watch, I've said this too, they, the HBO hard knocks in season with the Dolphins. I didn't watch any of that shit except the week they played the Bills. And you can see in the locker room, they were waiting for bad shit to happen to them. They were up at halftime. They were just waiting for bad shit to happen to them. And Tua, and this isn't me saying Tua sucks. There ain't no Josh Allen, but Tua doesn't suck. Pretty good quarterback, but he ain't got that room. He ain't got that room, man. There, there's no leadership with him. And that locker room, you can see it on the TV show. He's just one of the guys. What he says carries about as much weight as a linebacker, a DB, or anyone else on the football team that's out there. There's no leadership with this team. They get punched in the mouth that they don't fight back. Soft finesse team, I agree. So to the commenter's point that the Bills are in much better shape than the Dolphins, I agree wholeheartedly for all the reasons he said. But more importantly than anything else, because don't get it twisted, uh, the Bills got Josh Allen and, and straight up the uh, the Miami Dolphins have Tua. And that's definitely the biggest difference right there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show 
by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, I'm back here on this fan Friday answering some of your questions and comments. These have been pretty good so far. A couple of pretty scathing ones here. One towards uh, Pat Mahomes, another one towards me for, for not moving on quicker uh, with the Bills. Let's see what we get here down the stretch. Uh, Steve P says, who are the Bills most likely salary cap cuts? All right, I'm going to be honest with you here and, and get through this quickly. I really don't know yet. And I say that because I refuse during the season and during the playoff run to spend any time, focus, or uh, energy looking at the Bills' future. Potential draft picks. I haven't gotten into that yet. I've barely looked at the cap situation. I know it's bad. I know it's really shitty. And I know... Most, I know, actually not most, I know all the pending free agents. I know for the most part, some of the contracts, at least anyway, but I haven't really spent time thinking about what the bills may or may not do in terms of salary cap cuts that are financially related off the top of my head. I would say Trey white, but to be honest with you at this point, I don't know. I will know in the next week or two, because we're going to start to, to evolve into these types of episodes coming up here on talking Buffalo. What I will suggest my man Greg Thompson over at Cover One. Literally, I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I will sometime in the next 24, 48 hours or so. But he just put out a salary cap situation, entire episode on Cover One. So go find your way over there and check it out. Greg is like a wizard with that shit, man. He is so good at salary cap situations. And I'm sure without even watching it yet, if you feel really shitty and gloomy right now about the Gills, Bills cap situation, I guarantee you that Greg will find a way to make you feel better by the end of that episode. And I'm telling you that without even watching it yet. That's just, just me knowing. I, I, I apologize because I don't even have the name for this one, but he says, do you think the Bills should do a real search for OC or just give the job to Joe Brady? I think they would be doing a disservice if they don't have a, a thorough extended search. But at the end of the day, I don't see Joe Brady not getting the job for two reasons. Number one, he's definitely got the Josh Allen endorsement, which Ken Dorsey did and got the job. I'm sure in part because of that and shit didn't work out. But more importantly, he has a body of work calling plays with the Bills. You know, when Ken Dorsey got the job, he hadn't actually called plays. It was Brian Gable. So there was some unknown here. I think you know what you're going to get with Joe Brady. And he has a body of work now. Good balance with running the ball and throwing the football. And that shit's like Pornhub music right now in the ears of Sean McDermott. You know he loves that shit. He wants a, an offensive coordinator who's going to want to run the football. That's just who he is. That's the style of play. I know he'll throw the ball and McDermott said you got to throw it to win a championship. I, I heard the presser too this week. But at his core, what we saw in Kansas or Buffalo against Kansas City, that's what Sean wants, man. Run the ball, throw it some explosive plays that were out there, but you didn't make them this game, which cost them. 
control the clock, sustain drives, keep the other quarterback off the field. That's Sean McDermott listening to some good music, man. Just loving that shit. Loving it. So I find it hard to believe he's not going to hire Joe Brady. I would say the one thing that might give me just a tiny bit of pause here is Joe Brady is already interviewed for, I can't remember what team off the top of my head. I want to say Atlanta, maybe. I don't know. But I know he interviewed for a head coaching position. I think it was Atlanta, by the way. Um, another good year. I think there's a very, very real chance that Joe Brady is going to be an NFL head coach, maybe as early as next hiring uh, season. So that might be in the back of your mind a little bit. Do you really want to have potentially your fourth offensive coordinator in four seasons for, uh, for Josh Allen? That's something to be concerned about. But I don't think that's going to stop Sean McDermott from hiring the guy that he wants. And uh, at the end of the day, I'd be really surprised if it's not uh, Joe Brady. Rich Michio says, you talked about the possibility of skipping your cruise if the Bills got to the Super Bowl. Didn't talk about it at all this week. What was going to be the final verdict? All right, I'll be real quick with this. Most people who are watching the show probably watch or listen on somewhat of a regular basis so you would know this, but I'm sure there's a couple people who may not. I booked a cruise with my wife last, I want to say March or April, and the cruise is for the week of the Super Bowl. Going to the sea, and then spending a day, a day and a half or something like that, two days maybe in Mexico. And it runs simultaneously with the Super Bowl. There was a very real possibility, of course, that the Bills were going to go to the Super Bowl. And I was faced with a very real possibility that I might eat the money and I talked about this on the show. I might eat a couple thousand dollars and not go on the cruise if the Bills got to the Super Bowl because I didn't know at the end of the day if I would be able to stomach not being in Buffalo the week of the Super Bowl. The parties, the rallies, the vibe of the city, unreal. I mean, I was old enough that when the Bills went to four Super Bowls, I was around, I was a teenager, but I couldn't appreciate that shit. I was too young. Now I'm not. So. I would have had a really tough time dealing with that. Then, of course, the game itself. And then if the Bills won, the after parties, the uh, the parade. I don't know if I would have been back in time for a parade if the Bills had won the Super Bowl. So we gave serious, and I mean serious, legitimate consideration to not going on this stupid cruise if the Bills got to the Super Bowl. Well, it was only a stupid cruise thinking that we might not go on it if the Bills uh, get to the Super Bowl. At the end of the day, I, I tell you, um, we, we had discussions and we did decide that if the bills got to the super bowl, that we were going to still go on the cruise. So I would have been watching the bills play either Detroit or San Francisco, literally somewhere in the middle of the sea near Mexico had it happened. And I knew, by the way, I knew when we booked the cruise, I'm not, I mean, I'm dumb, but I'm not that dumb. I knew that when the super bowl was coming, we got a great deal and we're going with a shitload of friends that we had made in Florida, this, this group called MVP. And it's going to be a great time, man. I can't wait. But I knew what, what was going to go down. I knew how it was going to play out. But it's easy in hindsight, you know, seven, eight months ago to think, well, if we cross that bridge and we get to it. Well, we almost did cross that bridge. We almost did cross that bridge. Um, it would have been tough. But I'll go back to the reasoning, content creation-wise, why I decided that we would still go, even if the Bills got to the Super Bowl. It would be unique. I'd have stories to tell, and I'm still going to have some stories to tell for this show, but being on a ship, being in the middle of the sea with a bunch of people who don't give a shit about the Bills, being in the Super Bowl, I think that would have made for some really fun content, some uh, unique stories. 
being on the ship, being in the sea, being in Mexico, day of the Super Bowl, right after the Super Bowl. So at the end of the day, we did decide to answer your question uh, that we were going to go on the cruise no matter what. Uh, Sean Andrews says, I love Sean McDermott, not because we share the same name. Who's your Mount Rushmore of Sean's? Uh, I went with Sean Connery, Sean Penn, Sean Aston, also known as Rudy. And uh, that was also really funny in 51st States as well. And then I'll go Sean Puffy Combs. So Connery, Penn, Aston, and Combs. There you go. Matthew says, bet you feel stupid for making fun of the Sabres and calling them quitters on Twitter Wednesday. Uh, Matthew, no, I don't. All right. And for some quick context here, what he's talking about is Wednesday night, we're taping this Thursday. So Wednesday night, they were playing the Kings and I just unloaded on Twitter. They were down three, nothing or three, one at the end of the first period. And I said, the Sabres quitters. And this was Tuesday too. So this was a Tuesday, Wednesday combo, actually Tuesday. They played the ducks. The, uh, 15 and 30 Anaheim Ducks, by the way. And they're now three nothing. It just looked like they didn't and no interest in being on the ice. And then they make a, a late charge in the last five minutes, score two goals, end up losing four two. But they were a complete dog shit for 55 minutes. Then the next night, Wednesday night, they're in LA. And again, fall down early. I think they're down three one at the end of the first period. And I just unloaded on them. I called them quitters. I said they're soft. I said their coach has zero accountability. This team is a laughing stock. They're a joke. They, they're scrubs. And I don't like them. I said all that shit. And then about 90 minutes later, the Sabres came back and won the game 5-3. Sarcastically, I quote tweeted one of my Sabre rants. And I said, yeah, Sabres came back. Just like I've been saying all along. You know, the pesky, resilient Sabres come back. But I'm not going to see. I ain't falling for this shit no more with this fucking team. I'm just not going to do it. I know how it works with the Sabres. They look really good. You give them some props, and then they shit the bed. And I think that's who this edition, anyway, of the Buffalo Sabres are. I don't think that's going to change. Because you look at it at this point, man. They have played 48 games. They're 21, 23, and 4 as I record this. They're seven points out of a wild card with five teams ahead of them. And they're nine points from being dead last in the Eastern Conference. I hate this offseason. Wasn't even a fan of, uh, at the beginning either. Just want to throw that out there, too. It's easy to say, oh, I hated their offseason. All these guys, they signed, they suck. You know, it's easy to say that now, six months later. But to be honest with you, I was willing to give Kevin Adams the benefit of the doubt, but I never liked this offseason. They re-signed Ocposo and Gergeson. I thought, at the most, you bring back one of them. They brought them both back. Kyle Ocposo still wears a C. And don't get me wrong. There's some games where he does some nice things. He scored this week a pretty big goal as well. In fact, I think it was... Uh, was it? No, it was in Anaheim on Tuesday. They still lost the game. But anyway, sometimes he looks like a pretty good, competent fourth liner. Other nights, it looks like he should have been out of the NHL two years ago. And don't even get me started on Gergensen's. And you got both these guys playing every night. All right, the two defensemen they signed, Eric Johnson, Connor Clifford, these guys suck. All right, they suck. They're old. They're washed. Or at least Eric's old and washed. Clifton just sucks. Now I don't get why Boston had him as a healthy scratch so much near the end of last season embarrass himself, by the way, on Tuesday night, literally falling over himself, got a goal scored on him, huge NHL internet meme, just jokes, man. Uh, Kevin Adams, you know, he put too much trust, and I love Devin Levi, and I was there too, but I'm a fan, I'm a content creator, I'm about the fucking general manager of a team. Way too much trust in Devin Levi, clearly that's hurt them. Um, 
big deals for for Dylan Cousins and especially Owen Power, which I just don't get at this point. Like, did you have to sign him for eight years that quick? And I kept hearing, oh, it might be a bargain. It'll look like a bargain a couple of years from now. Maybe, but it also might look like a complete shit tr- or, you know, deal. And now you got the next Tyler Myers, overpaid dues, and it's going to be so hard to freaking trade him. So I don't know. I thought that was way premature. I don't trust Don Granado. Any team that has fallen into a two-goal hole in the first period, what, 17, 18 times this season at least in 48 games, that tells me that you're sleepwalking, man. You're not coming out ready to play. And I've heard people, even in the media, defend him to some extent. I'm like, you're that coach. Isn't it the coach's job? If your team doesn't come out ready to play, that's got to be on the coach. It's on the players too, but don't tell me it's not on the coach. So I don't know. And then I look at the one player that I've really liked that I think has been most consistent, and that's up here on the video side on the screen, Casey Middlestack. They might have to trade his ass because they've signed Dylan Cousins and Tage and and Owen Power to these monster long-term contracts. I don't think the money's going to be there for Casey Middlestack, so he might be gone. Just really annoying with this team right now, and I don't think it's going to change because they play well for a game, and then they suck. And then I think they've what, what, consecutive games once, maybe twice at the most this year? It's fucking annoying. Anyway, all right, we're going to wind down here. Royal Rumble. Tom says, Royal Rumble predictions. He's going with Punk and Bailey. Um, I'm just going to say quickly, the Royal Rumble is far and away my favorite WWE pay-per-view of the year. I'm a lifelong wrestling fan, by the way, if you didn't know that. Probably the one thing, you know, in life, we go through fads and phases where you're into something and you kind of fall out of love with it. I've always been a wrestling fan since I was a little kid, man. My dad used to take me to the odd every month when WWF used to be in town. Anyway, um, I'm actually going to agree with you. I really do. And I don't want to overthink it too much. I don't think it matters too much. The Royal Rumble mattered more when there was only one champion back in the day. But now there's two. So it doesn't even matter. Is it CM Punk? Is it Cody Rhodes? Does it really fucking matter? Because CM Punk's going to win. He's going to wrestle Seth Rollins if Seth can go for WrestleMania. Cody's still going to get Roman Reigns. Or if Cody Rhodes wins the World the World Rumble and he challenges Roman Reigns at WrestleMania, CM Punk is still going to end up wrestling Seth Rollins. Because there's two championships. It doesn't really matter. Same thing on the girl side. Becky Lynch, whether she wins or not, it's pretty obvious now. They're starting to hint at it a little bit. She's going to end up facing Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania. Uh, Bailey, I can see winning. Storyline-wise, would be pretty cool because... You'll, you'll think that she's going to challenge Rhea, but in reality, she's going to end up challenging Eel Sky as uh, damage control falls apart. But my point is, it really matter. Doesn't matter from a title standpoint, but it's still fun as hell to watch. So I'm going to go with Punk. And ba- Actually, no, I'm going to change my mind. Change my mind on the record. Cody Rhodes, two-time winner, um, Royal Rumble. That That's how that's just going to play out. Uh, last question here. Genie 4968 name a random regret you have. Mine is having a ticket for a Sabres game and giving it away. It was the night the Sabres played Philadelphia and Matt Barnaby fought with Gar Snow in 1996. The brawl was crazy. It was fun. I watched it from home and I was so mad I wasn't at the arena. Um, I remember that very well. Um, yeah, Gar Snow poked him with the stick and all hell broke loose. That shit was fun as hell. Matthew Barnaby, crazy ass son of a bitch. So was Gar Snow. Anyway. Random. Okay, you said random, so that's clear. This isn't like biggest regrets of all, or you know, something like that. Because I probably have a million way deeper than this one. But since you said random, it got me thinking, and I came up with this. When I was a kid, I was an avid, and I mean 
avid card sports card collector, mainly baseball, but I did collect football and hockey as well. So I say sports cards instead of just baseball, but it was mainly baseball and I'm old. So I'm talking from being a really young kid in the late seventies through like the mid eighties, 85. I remember the 86, I would say 87, even in the 89. So we're going to go with a whole decade, like 77, 78 to 1989. I collected cards avidly. It was my passion. Obviously I was a kid and didn't have a fucking job. So I didn't buy the cards. I would save up money, sucker my mom, my dad, whoever I could get. Remember one year for a birthday present, my parents went to the store. I think it was Buzzing Bee on Force and Grant on the West Side. Brown paper bag, filled it up with uh, baseball cards. Anyway, I had thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of baseball cards as a kid. And I look at some of the values of them today. Woo! But anyway, back in the day, I'd fuck with them, man. I would throw them against the wall. We would play. I forgot what the game was called, but we would throw the cards against the wall. The closer one got to keep the cards. I would trade them with my friends. And it wasn't because of value. It was because this player is a better player. I like this team more, et cetera, et cetera. I played games with them. I fake fight with my cards. Didn't take care of them is basically what I'm telling you. And now I look back today, how much those cards are worth. And I get sick sometimes. Like I'll see on a website, this card available 1500 or 400 or 300. I'm like, I had seven or eight of those cards. I literally, if I would have taken care of my cards as a kid, which again, I'm a fucking kid. I don't have any foresight, but had I known and took care of my cards and put them in plastic, thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. I guarantee you I had many thousands of dollars worth of baseball cards. Easily, easily. And I fucked them all up. I don't have any of them. I mean, I remember at one point my cat pissed on one of my brown paper bags. That's where I used to keep a lot of my cards in paper bags. And then ultimately some boxes, shoe boxes or whatever. But yeah, man, holy shit. I'd be, I'd have a lot more money as an adult if I would have took care of my cards when I was a little kid. Also, a couple pairs of Air Jordans, 88, 89. I got a settlement when I was a kid. Uh, I got in a car accident or something when I turned 18 or something like that. I got it. I remember, I, I know I bought two. I think it might've been three, but I know for sure I had two vintage pairs of Air Jordans. And then those are worth today thousands and thousands of dollars. Even if those aren't in great shape, those are still worth a shitload of money. So yeah, man, being a kid, being young and dumb, and not knowing any better has cost me with my sports collectible stuff, especially cards, thousands of uh, dollars. Good question. All right. And we're going to, on that note, end this episode. Again, I will be back tomorrow with uh, an episode dedicated to Micah Hyde. And if he is worthy, an examination of if he's worthy of going on the Bills Wall of Fame someday. Besides that, talk to you tomorrow. And if you don't catch the show, have a good weekend. I'll be back with brand new episodes next Monday. Talk to you then. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.